Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Last week I was out and I thank Pastor Mickey and as well as Pastor Andrew for filling in. i just just recovering from the virus. How many of you guys have had COVID? A lot of people have had COVID, man. Just so over it, man. Let me tell you. I, I mean, the worst thing about COVID is not the body aches and it wasn't the chills. Worst thing about COVID was not the sore throat or the coughing. Worst thing about the COVID was not the congestion. You know the absolute worst thing about having COVID was not being able to hold my grandbabies that were in town. Oh, man, that just absolutely stuck. Say, why couldn't you hold your grandbaby? Because I had to share them with other family members. That's why, you know, and, and I didn't want to get anybody sick so I needed to be careful. But, but more than anything, I just wanted to hold those baby boys and I wanted to snuggle with them and play with them and hold them and not let them go. Grandkids have an incredible impact on your life. Amen, grandparents. I mean, it's unbelievable what they do and just holding them is incredible. But I want to talk to you about something that's even more important to hold on to this morning than your, even your own grandkids. And it's found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. So turn in your Bibles, you at home, turn in your Bibles, you that are here, to Psalm 119. And the book of Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible. So go to the middle, open it up, you're going to hit the Psalms, and then go to chapter 19. Now, 119, sorry. And, and you need to understand, Psalm 119 is, is traditionally attributed to King David. And it is the longest psalm in the entire Psalms, book of Psalms. And not only that, it, it is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Psalm 119 is 176 verses, and we're going to see every verse. No, we're not going to do that today, okay? So Psalm 119 is divided into 22 sections of eight verses each. Very fascinating. It's an acrostic is what Psalm 119 is. Each section starts with one of the 22 successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's an inspired literary masterpiece. And, And every single verse refers to God. And every single verse but five refers to the word of God. And so it highlights the Bible as a book like no other book in grandeur, in majesty, in power, in preeminence. And there's 10 different words that are used to describe scripture in Psalm 119. 10 different words that are used to describe the Bible. And we're gonna look at six of those in the section we're gonna see today. The word is used twice, law twice, testimonies twice. Ordinances, commandments, and precepts will be used once. And every year, in preparation of the new year, we study the next section of Psalm 119. And today we're gonna be in the 21st section, which starts in Psalm 119, verse 161. So turn to 161. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. And read along with me as we begin in verse 161. Interesting words. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in all of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil, and I hate and despise falsehood. But I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all of my ways are before you. What do we learn in this section? 
Well, we learn the importance of holding on to the word of God. And you need to hold on to the word of God this year like you've never held on to the word of God. Why? Because it's your inspiration when you come under your attack. And you're going to come under attack. 2022 is not going to be different than many other years. Oh, that's great, Pastor. Thanks a lot. What I mean by that is it's going to be hard at times. You're going to face hatred. You're going to face hardship. You're going to face pain. You're going to go through difficulties, just like every year we do. It's a fallen world. How are you going to make it? The Word of God is going to be your inspiration if you hold on to it. See, the psalmist, David, if it is David right here, is going through intense pressure, intense pain. It says here, princes persecute me. Who are these princes? Are they out of country? Are they in country? Maybe it's his own father-in-law. If you know anything about King Saul, he's an absolute madman consumed with bitter jealousy and and anger and hatred for his son-in-law, David. He's got a bounty on his head. He's tried to spear him and kill him. He's an unreasoning animal, this guy who wants David dead. And that's the pressure that David is living under. And you and I don't live under pressure like that when our lives are on the line. But you know the sting of bitter rejection. You know the pain of a family member who's been gossiping about you or slandering you behind your back. You know the pain of a classmate or classmates or co-workers who've been attacking you. You know the pain of one-time friends who've abandoned you. You know pain. And what makes it worse for David, the psalmist here, is he's done nothing wrong. It says here, they persecute me without cause. I'm completely innocent. I have done nothing wrong. I'm a faithful servant. They are hating me for no reason. I have broken no laws. I have stirred up no no rebellion. So what is David going to do? His life is on the line and he's hated. And what is he going to do? He's going to do the same thing you and I should do. Apply the salve, the healing of God's word to the pain, to the wounds of our soul. That's what I need to do when I'm hurt. That's what you need to do. Yes, their words are very hurtful. Yes, their words are hateful. But stop playing over in your mind what they've said. Stop playing in your mind over and over and over what they've done. We need to remember what God has said and what God has done more than what others have said and what others have done. Yes, their words are hurtful, but God's words are healing. It's kind of like if you cut yourself, if you burn yourself. I go right to the medicine cabinet. I take the Neosporin or that triple antibiotic cream, and I rub it in is what I do. I put the salve there. Take God's word. Apply the salve of God's verses, God's passages, God's promises to where it hurts most in your life. You know, I wouldn't let a wound stay infected. I I wouldn't refuse to clean it. I I would dress it. I, I wouldn't let it just stay raw and oozing out pus. Why, why do we do that spiritually? Why do we let these, these raw wounds cause this bitterness and this anger and this resentment and this painful pus just to come out of our lives? Treat it with the word of God. Apply the balm of God's word, the salve. 
Let God have the final word, not your haters. Let God have the final word, not your haters. Read his word, study his word, hold on to his word, apply his word, focus on his promises, not the pain that those people have caused you. We have examples in scripture. When forsaken by family members, Psalm 27:10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. God, you're going to take me up. Apply that. When abandoned and fearful, remember the words of Hebrews 13. For he himself, God has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? When you're all alone in this world, remember, along with David in Psalm 16:8, I have set the Lord before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Or the words of Paul in 2 Timothy. My first offense, no one supported me. All deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Hold on to the word of God as you enter this year. Hold on to it. It will be your inspiration when you come under attack. Secondly, it's your treasure that brings joy. Verse 162 I rejoice in your word as one who finds great spoil. Notice he's all joyful. He's not groaning. He's not moaning. See, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, it's not a chore for him. Coming to church and sitting under the the, the preaching and teaching is not a chore. It's not a burden. It, It is a blessing is what he says. Give me the word of God. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. They're life-giving is what the word of God is for us. Not a burden. And he says it's like finding great spoil. It's like finding presents under your tree Christmas morning. I mean, you don't have to tell the kids Christmas morning, sorry, we have to open presents today. I mean, those kids are excited. I mean, they're racing down the hallway, they're racing down the stairs, their eyes are as big as saucers, they're racing into your room to get you up so that you can tear into those presents. Child of God, race to the Word of God every single morning. Race to the Word of God. Wake up with wonder at what God is going to teach you today. Open it up in delight. Every day, He has something special, something personal for you. It's hidden treasure is what it is. Treat it like a treasure. We often forget the treasure of the Word of God. Warren Wearsby said it this way, the promises of God in the Bible are better than money in the bank because they will never lose value and nobody can take them from us. Open up that treasure. Hold on to the Word. It's your inspiration when under attack. It's your treasure that brings joy. It's your truth in a world full of lies. And this world is full of lies. And you swim in a sea of lies every single day of your life, child of God. Psalm, 163, or Psalm 119 verse 163. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. He says, I'm tired of the deceit of this world. I'm tired of the fake news of this world. I'm tired of the lies of this world. And he uses a double negative. I hate and I despise. I mean, he really, really hates it. Anybody else really, really hate the lies of this world? That's what he's saying. He's saying the lies are like thin ice. They're treacherous. 
They're destructive. They cause so much pain is what they do. It was Mark Twain who said, a lie can travel around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. Isn't that the truth? Lies just spread like wildfire. And lies are everywhere. And you're lied about too all the time. Just like those weathermen lied about how much snow we were going to get. Again, can you believe that? It's a world full of lies, my friend. According to one study by Pamela Meyer, Reader's Digest calls her the nation's best-known expert on lying, unless they're lying to us, but I'm taking it at their word. All the research she's done, you're lied to on average 100 times a day. Do you realize that? Anywhere between 10 and 200 times averages 100 times. You're lied to about 100 times a day on average. That's a lot of lies. Most common ways that we're lied to, study by David Markowitz, professor at the University of Oregon, video chat, phone, face-to-face, social media, advertising, marketing. You're lied to all day long, every single day. Do you ever get tired of the lies of this world, including the false teachings of false religions? God hates lies. God has a naughty list of his most hated sins. Did you know that? It's found in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. His most hated sins. There are six which the Lord hates, seven which are an abomination to him. He hates them. Haughty eyes. He can't stand proud people and a proud look and a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devised wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. Lies are the only thing that make the list twice. Out of God's seven most hated sins, lying makes the list twice. And a false and one who spreads strife among brothers. And that's often done by lying as well. Slander and gossip. Liars are despised by God. I want you to notice who's kept outside of the new Jerusalem that comes out of heaven one day. In Revelation 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. God hates liars and he hates lying. There's no place for liars in the city of God. There's no place for liars in heaven. Never make light of even the smallest lie. Never make light of any deceit in your life. It is the devil who is the father of lies. Confess any and all deception to the Lord. Be done with any and all lying or deceit. And wrap yourself with the truth. Ephesians chapter six tells you, child of God, how to dress for battle in this world of lies. And you put on the belt of truth. It means you wrap yourself up in the truth and you tell the truth and you live according to the truth. It's the only way you're going to make it in this world full of lies. His hate is contrasted with his love in verse 163. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Why? Why does he love the word of God? Because the word of God is truth. It's the only thing you can read today that is 100% true, 100% of the time, God's word is truth. Dive into the truth. 
earlier section, Psalm 119, verse 160. The sum of your word is, say it with me, truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. So if someone asks you what the Bible is about, you could summarize it in one word. It is what? Truth. That's what you have. You have the truth in a world full of lies. And it's true and never-changing, everlasting truth. Today's headlines in the paper may be true today, but they won't be true tomorrow. God's word is just as true today as it was yesterday, as it will be tomorrow. And it's powerful truth. In Jesus' high priestly prayer, when he prayed for you, when he prayed for me, in John 17, when he prayed for all of his followers, verse 16 of John 17, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. See, it's the truth that sanctifies. Sanctifies means set apart as holy. That's what it means. It's the truth that transforms my life and transforms my heart and transforms my mind. It's the truth of God's word that transforms us. See, there's no chance of Scott Poling living a holy life apart from the word of God. And there's no chance of you living a holy life apart from the word of God. Again, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's impossible. No, it's not. By keeping it according to your word. With all of my heart, I've sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I've treasured in my heart so that I may not sin against you. There is no holiness in this life apart from God's word. See, if the word of God is not your treasure, then sin will forever reign in your life. If you and I do not treasure the word of God, then sin will reign in our lives. D.L. Moody said it well. The Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. So hold on to the word of God. It will be your inspiration when you come under attack. It is your treasure that will bring you joy. It's the truth in this world full of lies. And it's your source of continual praise. Look at verse 164. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances, because of the word of God. Notice all of the praise and no complaints. Seven times I'm praising you and I am not complaining at all. You know what? God does not like complaining. And he doesn't want us complaining. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I don't want you complaining about anything, God says. So that you'll prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of this crooked and perverse world we live in. We live in a world of perversity and crookedness, among whom you appear as lights in the world. You are the light of the world, holding fast the word of life. Do you know the quickest way to distinguish someone who is not a believer from someone who is, is, is a believer is how they complain so much about life. Christian, if you want to be distinguished from this world, this perverse, crooked world, stop your whining, stop your moaning, stop your complaining, and stop your griping. And all of a sudden, you will start shining. 
And you will be seen so different than the people of this world. The reason so many Christians have lost their testimony is because all they do is complain about everything and everyone. And they look no different than the people of this world. God says, I want you shining. And the way that you're going to shine is you're going to learn to keep your mouth shut. And you're going to learn to be grateful and praise and worship and give thanks. And you'll be different than this world. It's a lot of praise. Look at verse 164. Seven times a day I praise you. And seven may be literal. Seven being the number of perfection. God is a perfect God. We owe him our perfect praise. Seven may be figurative, meaning you just can't praise him enough. We see the psalmist is working hard at praising God, though. It's not once every seven days he praises God. It's seven times a day. He's constantly seeing all that he can praise God for. How good God has been. How God has provided the promises of God. The love that he sees for God. There's so much as we stop and look around that we truly can give thanks to God for. And that's what he's doing. And please remember, this is praise in the midst of persecution. This is praise in the midst of people trying to kill him. This is praise in the midst of people lying about him, treating him unfairly. This is praise from a life that is hard and from a life that is unfair. He still lives a life of praise. How is it possible? I don't know about you, but I, I love a good fire. I, I love putting wood on the fire, fire, you know, and just, just don't you understand something about, about the fire of praise? The word is our wood for the fire of worship. The word of God, the verses of God, the passages of God, the chapters in this book, they are wood for your fire of worship. Throw another log on. Read another verse. Study another passage. Listen to another sermon. The word of God is what stokes the fire of our worship. It's what, it's what keeps us warm and keeps us mindful of who God is and how good God has been, and what God has done, and the promises God has made for us, and how much God does love us. See, you and I are going to run out of worship when we run out of the Word. Notice it's the Word that stokes the fire of worship. It's not hobbies. It's not money. It's not possessions. It's not people. See, I want you to understand something. People in the Word are worshipers. People not in the word are complainers. The more time we spend in the word, the more prone we will be to praise God. The less time you spend in the Bible, the more prone you will be to complain and whine and gripe your way through this life. See, maybe your fire of worship is dying out. And maybe it's time to stoke that fire with the word. Reading verses, memorizing verses, and studying passages, and being more faithful to the house of God, and sitting under the preaching and teaching of God. You can't help but worship when you see God in a new light. Who he is, what he's done, how he loves us, and the promises he's made. Seven days, seven times a day. He's constantly thinking on the word, meditating, studying, reading, recalling, believing. 
Hold on to the word of God. It's your source of continual praise. Next, we learn that it's your peace in an unstable world. Boy, is this world unstable. Look at verse 165. Those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Love his word and great peace is yours. Notice he doesn't say love Netflix. He doesn't say love that novel. He doesn't say love your hobby. He doesn't say love shopping or love sports or love food. All those things have their place. But none of that stuff's going to bring you great peace. Love the word of God. Nothing causes you to stumble. You will have great peace, lasting peace. See, the question is, do you want a peace-filled 2022? Do you want peace this coming year? That's the question. He didn't say, do you want, not want problems? He said, do you want peace? Because he promises to give you peace if you prioritize his word. If you start loving his word and reading his word and listening to his word. He says, I love your law. It's a synonym for the Bible, for the word of God. And I'll reward you with great peace. Peace of mind can be yours. Peace of heart, peace of soul. Peace in the midst of persecution. Peace in the midst of unfair treatment. Peace in the midst of people hating you. He says, I'm going to give you peace no matter what you face this year if you just start loving my word and spending time in it. Peace that only God's word can give. The words of Jesus in John 16. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Praise God. Nothing can soothe our soul like the word of God. And it's great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. So it's security. Look at verse 165. Nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing means nothing. No matter how bad the news you receive, peace. No matter how hurtful that personal attack, peace. No matter how bad that that financial setback this year, peace. No matter how serious that health diagnosis that comes in. Peace. Nothing causes us to stumble. Do you know what I mean? That means the word makes you stumble-proof is what it means. Nothing will cause you to stumble. You know, one of the things I love to do is run, and, and sometimes I run early in the morning, and I run trails in the dark. Well, if I don't have a light, a headlamp, I'm going to be stumbling all over the place. I mean, there's roots and rocks and, I mean, you're running all over the place through the woods in the dark. I know, it's nuts, but I love it. Okay. I I just want you to understand something. The world in which you run is dark. The world in which you and I live is a very dark, dark world. And some of you take off in the morning out your door without the light on. And you wonder why you just keep stumbling through this life. You wonder why you keep falling and tripping. Where's your light? You haven't even read a single verse before you leave the the house. You haven't even read a passage. You haven't turned the light on. 
you walk out the door running through this world, tripping and stumbling and falling and sinning, and God is saying, why don't you turn on the light? Why don't you just read one verse? Read a couple Proverbs. I'm not talking about an hour and a half study in the Greek and Hebrew before you leave. I'm talking about spending a little time with God and his word every single day before you leave the house. See, you need the light. Psalm 119, 105, the word is a lamp to my feet. And it's a light to my path. Turn the light on before you leave the house in the morning. and Spend a little time every single day in the light. Hold on to the word of God. It'll be your peace in this unstable world. One more thing. It's your consistent object of obedience. That's what the word of God is to be. Four times in the last three verses of this section, we see the same thing stated in different ways. In verse 166, do your commandments. 167, keep your commandments. 168, I keep your precepts and your testimonies. See, the focus is on doing the commandments of God. And it flows out of an unwavering faith in God. Look at verse 166. I hope for your salvation. This is not a, I hope so, God. This is a, I know so, God. I trust in your salvation, in your deliverance. I have faith in who you are as my God. See, it is both deliverance in this life, the battles we face, as well as deliverance for eternal life, the soul of our our being. And there is a balance. Salvation is in God's hand, so I will trust salvation over to you. Obedience is in your hand. While I'm trusting you, God, I'm going to focus on obeying you, God. While I'm waiting on you, God, I'm going to make sure I'm obeying you, God. See, I'm not going to get idle, and I'm not going to get lazy, and I'm not going to be disobedient as I'm waiting on my God. Lord, I'm going to trust you with this situation because you've always been good and you're a faithful God. And while I'm trusting you, I'm going to make sure there's no area in my life that's disobedient. I'm going to make sure I'm obeying God. And that's where some of you are right now. You're having to trust God, but you're not sure you want to obey God. You need to make sure you're obeying God, not just trusting in God. They go hand in hand. And he says, I'll do your commands. I'm not just going to study your word. I'm not just going to learn what you want me to do. I'm actually going to follow through God on what I'm learning. Wow, that would be novel, wouldn't it? I'm going to do the word of God. Not just listen to it be preached. Not just study it in a Bible study. I'm going to do it. And some of you here today know exactly what God wants you to do and you haven't been doing it. And it's time you start doing it. Not just listening to the word of God, but obeying it. Because they are commands. They are not suggestions. And disobedience is never worth the consequences, ever. Your heavenly father knows what is best for you. And his word is not burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. They're for our protection because he loves us. Do because you trust and you hope in him. Do because you love. Look at verse 167. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. He says, my soul. So it's this soulful obedience, sincere obedience, this inner obedience. There's there's no religious hypocrisy. There's no religious formality. 
He's saying, this is going to be real in my life. I'm not going to play games when I come into church. I'm not going to play games like so many hypocrites in this world. This world is filled with hypocrites. Churches are filled with hypocrites. This church, no doubt, is filled with hypocrisy. Be careful, child of God. Turn out any pockets of disobedience in your life. Turn them out. No more hiding those secret sins. No more making excuses for sin. No more seeing ourselves as the exception for sin. Turn out any and all pockets of sin and start living with obedience. Soulful obedience. And he mentions how he loves the word of God again. In verse 163, he said, I love your law. And now again in 167, and I love them exceedingly. He's not like, well, I like the word of God. I love the word of God. That's what he's saying. I just can't get enough of the word of God. I can't get enough of this truth and this peace and this goodness that God has given me, this gift. I just love the word of God is what he's saying. And when you love something, you spend time doing it. I I love to run. Yesterday, I started the new year off with friends in the church, went out and ran 10 miles of of trails. It was awesome. Have a new running watch, new running socks. They smell horrible right now. I just love to run. My friends and I go out and run. It's awesome. Listen, when you love something, you do it. Do what you love. And maybe you're here today, and honestly, you just don't love the Bible that much. And it concerns you, and it should concern you. I want to encourage you to spend time in prayer with God and just be sincere and honest with him. Say, Lord, I struggle with spending time in the Word. You didn't struggle today. You're here today listening to the Word. Maybe you struggle personally in in reading it every day. Talk to God about that. Ask for his help. If you're a child of God, his spirit indwells you. Ask for his help in this. He'll give it. He'll give you that desire. Maybe be accountable to other friends. Read on the same things. Study the Bible together. He says, I do because I trust, and I do because I love. And then he says, I do because it's wise. Look at verse 168. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. He says, God, you see everything. But notice he says, I keep your precepts, I obey them, and your testimonies. Now, this is interesting. Precepts are the practical teachings of God's word. Testimonies are the doctrinal teachings of God's word. And they're intricately tied together. See, right living comes from right teaching. Practical flows out of doctrinal. Both are equally valuable. My prayer is that when you come into this church, I give you doctrinal truth of the faith but I also give you practical application and outworkings of that doctrine. I believe we need both as children of God. We need the truth of God, and we need to understand how it applies to our lives. And doctrine is so very important. Never look down on doctrine. See, listen carefully. We never sacrifice doctrine on the altar of political correctness. We never sacrifice doctrine on the altar of cultural acceptance. We never sacrifice doctrine on the altar of societal wokeness. We hold on to doctrine without apology. And we hold on to the word of God without apology. And we speak the truth. Now we speak it in love. 
We don't get obnoxious with it. But we hold on to the truth without apology. And we speak it without apology. Understand something else that we learn. Christian, be very careful. Be careful when it comes to doctrine and recognizing sometimes the difference between the teachings of the word of God and our own personal preferences. Because sometimes we can fall into the trap of being legalistic, pharisaistic type of people. We can believe that our personal preferences are the same as doctrine. Just make sure what you're holding as your preference is foundational in scripture. Because if, if what you're holding is not based on scripture, you will tend to start looking down your nose at other Christians who are not as spiritual. Whereas all along, you're the one that's not spiritual because what you're holding on to is your tradition, your preference. It's not foundational in scripture. So be very, very careful to make sure your beliefs are foundational based on truth and not tradition. And based on God's knowledge is what we see next. Look at verse 168. I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all of my ways are before you. See, the psalmist isn't dumb. He's not forgetful. As John Phillips said, the first motive for keeping God's word is from the heart. His second motive was from his head. You know what the psalmist right here says? He says, I know there's ultimate accountability with the God of the universe who knows all and sees all. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 20, 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. The maker of your ear and the maker of your eyes most certainly hears everything and sees everything. As a matter of fact, Psalm 94, pay heed you senseless among the people and when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? And he who formed the eye, does he not see? Do you really, do you really think you're getting away with your sin? God gave you ears and eyes. Do you not think he hears and sees? Don't be dumb. Some of you here today are thinking you're getting away with your sin. <laughs> you're not getting away with anything. God sees it. God knows it. God hears it. Please repent of it. Repent of it. And turn to this all-seeing, all-knowing, all-hearing God before it's too late. I like this phrase. Christ is the head of every house, of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. There are no secrets with God. He sees all. He hears all. He knows all. So heed the warning. All of my ways are before you. Speaking of ways, how many of you use ways in your car? Anybody use ways, GPS? I love ways. You know what? One of the things I love about it is those red light cameras are pointed out. That's just awesome. You know, like if, if, if you're just tempted to maybe go through, it's yellow. No, I'm not going to do it. Or you're tempted to just kind of round the corner and not, not come to a complete stop. It, it's so nice to have that warning right there saying, please be careful while you're driving. This is a red light camera coming up. Do you understand what that's what the word of God does? The word of God is your red light camera. It's saying, please be careful. Make sure you stop that. Make sure you do this. Make sure you go there. Make sure you don't go there. The word of God is filled with wonderful warnings. Proverbs 5.21. For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. And what does he do? He watches all of his paths. So hold on to this wonderful word of the living God. 
It's your inspiration when under attack, your treasure that brings joy, your truth in a world of lies, your source of continual praise, your peace in an unstable world, and your consistent object of obedience. Hold on to the word of God. Let's pray. Heads are bowed, you at home. Heads are bowed, you that are here. You who are believers in the Lord, would you just thank him for his word right now? Would you just thank God for the truth that you hold in a world full of lies? Would you just thank him for the peace his promises bring? Would you just thank him for the inspiration that his word gives, the verses, the promises, the treasure that it is? Would you confess any sin right now to him? Ask him to forgive you of. Would you commit, child of God, to reading his Bible every single day, even if it's just a verse? You're going to read his Bible, his word, every single day. You're going to turn the light on before you go out the door every single day. Make that commitment. Talk to God about that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here today and you've not come to faith in Jesus. Please understand how much this God loves you. He knows all of your sin and he died for your sin to forgive you of your sin. He's crazy about you. Would you ask him to be your savior right now? And you may say, Scott, I don't, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to say. Just, just use words like these from the sincerity of your heart. Just call out to him in quietness right now. Lord, I need you. Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? God, would you please save me from my sin? I repent. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. I place my faith in you alone. I can't save myself. I place my faith in you alone. Please save me, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest's new beginnings, visit at harvest.church.